Uh, Leah, are we about ready to start? Are you guys ready there at City Hall? This is Leah Roseland, Affordable Housing Administrator. Good morning. Um, yeah, I believe we are ready to start, Mr. Chair. It looks like there's just a couple of members not present, but it is 1101. Yeah. Um, we have uh, seven, I think, one, two, three, four, five, eight, nine. We have 10 present. So let's get started. I'm going to call the meeting to order. Uh, of the Affordable Housing Advisory Board for the City of Lawrence, uh, December 13th meeting. And first thing off the bat, we're going to take roll. So I'm going to uh, read names in the same order that they are on the website there for whatever reason. So Thomas Howe. Present. Thomas Allen. Present. Shannon Reed. Here. Rebecca Buford. Here. Sarah Waters. Here. Dina Gentry. Erica Zimmerman. Here. Dana Ortiz. Here. Shannon Ori. Ron Gacious. Present. Edith Guppy. Here. Monty Sokup. Here. So we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 10 members, I believe that makes a quorum for us. Um, at this point, I'd like to have uh, Leah read the opening statement for the meeting and the rules of engagement. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Okay, I am unmuted. I apologize. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, this is Leah Roslin, Affordable Housing Administrator. I'm going to provide a few procedural reminders for the virtual meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and public access channel 25. During the meeting, when you're not participating, please mute yourself by clicking on the microphone icon found in the lower left-hand side of the Zoom menu next to the video icon. When you're muted, a red line will appear over the icon. Muting your microphone during the meeting will make it easier for everyone to hear. You'll just have to remember to unmute if and when you want to speak. In some cases, I may mute or unmute people as needed to minimize distractions during the meeting. Please remember to state your name every time you speak for the benefit of those listening remotely. You can turn your video camera on or off by clicking the video icon in the menu. For the purposes of this public meeting, when you are participating in the meeting, please keep your video on. When you are not participating in the meeting, it's okay to turn your video off. You will still be able to listen into the meeting when your video is off. You'll just have to remember to turn your video back on when you're participating. Turning your video off when you're not participating will help make sure that the active meeting participants can be seen on the screen. In some cases, I may turn off someone's video if they are not actively participating to avoid distraction during the meeting. You can always turn your video back on. If you're participating by phone, you can click star six to unmute your phone. For those using Zoom, somewhere on your screen, you will see a choice to toggle between speaker and gallery view. Speaker view shows the active speaker. Gallery view tiles all the meeting participants. Board members and city staff members, you must state your name and title each time you speak. All motions will need to be stated clearly. After a motion is made and seconded, the chair will call on board members individually to provide their vote. 
Mr. Chair, you'll then need to announce whether the motion carried in the count of the vote. When public comment is sought on an item, individuals participating via Zoom should use the raise your hand feature. Windows and Mac users can access this feature through the participants button at the bottom of their screen. Android and iPhone users can access this feature through the more button located at the bottom right hand corner of their screen. For those calling in by phone, you must dial star nine. Individuals will be called upon by name in the order they appear in the meeting host screen. When you're called on, please unmute your listening device and state your name before speaking. The chair will then call for in-person public comment for those without access to technology options. Staff present will direct you to this podium to speak following social distancing and safety protocols. The regular three minute time limit will apply. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Ms. Monty Sokup, Chair, thank you, Leah, appreciate that. Uh, with that, we are gonna move right into public comments. Um, is there anyone, I don't see anyone raising their hand or anybody in the chamber that has public comment? Okay. Uh, one last chance for public comment. I see Shannon, uh, well, we'll get to that in a second. Um, I'm gonna close public comment, seeing no uh, one raising their hand. Uh, I'm gonna note that Shannon has joined us and I'm gonna add her to the role as present. So that makes 11 members present. You can modify that. Uh, we will move on to the minutes. I would be seeking a, a motion to accept the minutes or modify them. A motion to accept the minutes. Okay, Rebecca moves to accept the minutes. Do we have a second? Second, Shannon Howry, Housing Authority. Okay, so I have a, a motion and a second. Is there any discussion on the minutes? Seeing none, I'm gonna call a roll for a vote. I'm gonna read it, roll in the same order we did before. So if you can remember that, you'll be all ready to go. Uh, Thomas Howe. Aye. Thomas Allen. Aye. Shannon Reed. Aye. Rebecca Buford. Aye. Sarah Waters. Yes. Uh, Erica Zimmerman. Aye. Dana Ortiz. Aye. Shannon Ori. Aye. Ron Gacious. Aye. Edith Guffey. Aye. Monty Soka. Aye. Vote or motion passes 11 0. Okay. So that moves us to our regular agenda. Uh, the first item on the agenda is to receive the monthly financial report from the staff. Uh, Leah, this is Monty Soga Chair. Do we have a monthly uh, financial report? Yes, Mr. Chair, I apologize. Okay. <laughs> this is Leah Roseland, Affordable Housing Administrator. Um, and let's see, 
I had forgotten to bring it up, so I apologize. Oh, that's okay. Um, so um, in November, we brought in about 700,000 in um, revenues and for the affordable, sorry, the housing trust fund. <laughs> That doesn't sound right to me. 700,000 or did I misunderstand that? No, I apologize. I didn't have the report pulled up. Let me let me pull it up real quick. Okay. That sounds like an awful big number to me. We'll take it. But, uh... Mr. Chair, I apologize. Can we table this item and come yeah. back to it at the yeah, end we can of come the back agenda? To that item. Thank you. <laughs> sure, sure. Okay, so we are going to uh, move on to uh, the second agenda item. It's the discussion of the trust fund applications and the applicants. And I think we have several uh, several board members that will have to recuse themselves. So I'm going to provide a pause for that. I certainly appreciate you guys coming for the first part of the meeting so we can count you as for uh, our quorum. So, okay. So, as one sub chair, I have uh, Dana Ortiz raising her hand. I'm assuming she's going to recuse herself. Thank you, Mr. Chair. I will recuse myself. Okay. And then Shannon, uh, Erica, and Rebecca. Uh, so thank, thank you. you for joining us. I guess uh, um, recuse yourself at this point, then we'll see you later. Thank you. Okay. Um, okay, so I, I'm not, I've, I guess that we've looked at this and uh, I'm open to ideas certainly, but I thought maybe we would just start uh, at the top and maybe review each one individually uh, and comments and uh, then come back and try to make a recommendation. And if we want to, we can make a recommendation, try to re land on a recommendation, a funding recommendation uh, for each one as we go, if we want to do that, if we're very, you know, if we have something that everybody's in, you know, we have a good consensus and we want to fully fund, I think we can do that. And then I think, in my opinion, there's a couple that I think we're probably going to require more discussion. Uh, is everybody okay with that concept? Okay. So let's move to tenants, the homeowners of Michigan six project. Um, anyone who wants to comment on the Michigan six project. Uh, okay, we're talking to group today. Um, Go ahead, Mr. Ron. Chairman. Go ahead, Ron. Um, I, I first wanted to um, thank uh, tenants to homeowners for providing the supplemental information. And um, 
it was great. I mean, it was just the kind of detail that I think we were looking for. I, I would like to understand better what the numbers at the bottom of the page represent, where we're talking about how the subsidy would be split amongst 13 lots, the $300,000 subsidy. What? That, I think uh, Ron is wanting so good. Chair, I think she was uh, trying to comment on the uh, going south subdivision project, not the Michigan Six project. Uh, yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I, I did realize that transition was made. Uh, but as it applies to the going south subdivision, is this is is what they're trying to illustrate? Um, a just a flat $23,000 across the board subsidy, irrespective of what the actual lot price is. Yeah. It so, is, is that what that number represents to you? If the initial market price is 40K, then the final cost to the land trust is 17. Is that, does, is that number reflecting a $23,000 subsidy that's coming from the trust fund. I'm, I imagine that it is. I'm just trying to confirm that that's what it is. Or is this an adjusted price that they're going to charge, that, that the solids are going to charge the land trust as the final cost? You see the difference I'm trying I, to ask? I, I see what you're talking about, but I think all that, I think that all that tenants and homeowners was trying to do was provide what might be a possible solution. The SOBs, to my knowledge, have not modified their proposal at this point. So we don't really, I mean, it, it's really not applicable. That was a suggestion of how that might be handled. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I remember I that discussion now. Yeah, I don't think the SOBs changed their proposal. So. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Okay. Uh, so talking about the Michigan Six project, um, Mr. Chair, this is Sarah Waters, the University yeah. of Kansas. Regarding the Michigan Six project and tenants to homeowners, I, I think this sits very much in line with the housing trust. Um, I think it's very strong, um, and so I don't have any further comments because I do think we should fund this um, as we move through this process today. Okay. Okay. Any other comments? Um, yeah, go ahead. Mr. Chairman, I would support that. I would actually support funding it fully. Okay. Shannon, you were going to comment? Shannon Reed, Douglas County Commission. Uh, I would echo both of those sentiments. I think it's a really solid project and I want to see it fully funded today. Okay. Is there anybody uh, that is not in favor of fully funding this project? Okay, great. So I think we'll tentatively put this one down for full funding at $400,000. And let's move on to the next project. Uh, Lawrence Douglas County Housing Authority, New Horizon. Um, this is a project, I'll just make a few comments. This is a project that uh, we have seen funded in the past uh, at a very similar level. Um, um, you know, in my reading of the, of the write-up, I mean, it has a high success rate and it's been a very successful program. So 
I guess I would vote for fully funding this or recommend fully funding this. So I'm certainly open to other com people's comments at this point. Edith? You're on mute, Edith. I just sort of wonder, uh, we fund this every time. It's the same. It is actually the very same request. I just sort of wonder, is this just a regular budget item? Why do we just, why don't we just tell them to put it in their budget, refund it every single time they ask? It's the very same project. And uh, I also wonder, there's so many vouchers that aren't being funded. They can't find places. Um, so maybe we this time use dollars someplace else um, that might be more helpful right this moment and um, not funded totally. Um, it, just, it just feels like we're doing the same thing over and over and over again. I am not saying it's not a good program. I have no questions about the validity of the program. Yeah, go ahead, Ron. Um, Mr. Chairman, um, I share some of the same concerns that Edith has just given uh, voice to, but um, um, I think that that this kind of services expenditure is really exactly the kind of services expenditure that most of us were supporting when or anticipated when we voted yes on the sales tax earmark for the housing trust fund. Um, there aren't very many sources of funds available for improvements to older homes that could still have their useful life extended with some relatively modest investments. And, and the things we do to help fund uh, rehabilitation of properties or accessibility of properties, I think is right in our wheelhouse. And that's, that's really what I understood is, I think at least that's what I understood when we were talking about housing services uh, in originally selling the sales tax earmark. So I'd like to see, you know, my question is why can't we grow this? Uh, we're told that there's a waiting list of uh, applicants or that we could quickly fill a waiting list of, uh, uh, of applicants if we just had more resources. Uh, is Ron, the, yes? Ron, I think you're on a different project. This We're talking about uh, the New Horizon, which is the program that helps like three families get out of the shelter. Okay, my, my, you're on my apologies. I did confuse the two. Yes, thank okay. you. Okay, <laughs> okay, certainly a valid comments and uh, on the next next item, I think so. Um, because I, as I recall, this is the one that funds like three or four families to move them from, and it's a three year program and it moves them from the shelter situation, too. Um, and I, I kind of, I, I certainly understand where Edith's comments are coming from and share some of that. Um, I'm wondering if we uh, 
would consider if the committee would consider you know funding this year and basically giving them a year to find another funding source and say that this is we don't think this is the best funding source certainly they can apply if they want to apply but kind of put them uh maybe on notice that we would hope they would find a permanent budget spot either at the county or somewhere else for this i just as an idea Mr. Chair, Sarah Waters, University of Kansas. I, I, I do echo Edith's thoughts. Um, I do wonder why at annually we get requested here, although I understand why. Um, I would say I appreciate what you just said, Monty, but I'm not sure I'm quite to find another funding source. Um, and so I think for me, I think we're going to have some conversation on a couple other of our applicants here and maybe considerations and things that this group needs to figure out for next funding cycle. And for me, there's an aspect here of, it, is it just an automatic as a little bit of what Edith shared, mm-hmm. but automatic from where is really what we're questioning. And so is there a certain piece of the trust fund that we're just going to say automatically is going because we funded them annually? Then I know that that's got some unease. Um, but just thinking about how we're then developing other proposals is, I think, something I want to talk on some of these others about um, so that we're really using the trust for some of the things Ron was getting back to the heart of why it was established in the first place. So, again, I do think this should be funded this year, even though I don't understand why annually we just funded, funded, funded. Um, but we've also had some strong thoughts about the rubric and the rubric or the matrix um, needing to lean honestly. So things like this get funded. Um, And so to me, there's a lot with this that we may want to try to unpack. Maybe it's in our retreat um, coming forward. So I don't know if that all made sense, but good proposal. I think it's working. Clearly they've got data for it, but the why moving forward is really where I'm kind of stuck. Monty Sokup, Chair. Thank you, Sarah. Appreciate those comments, certainly, and agree with a lot of that. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, like I said, in the retreat, we can talk about if we want to target specific projects in our next RFP, you know, and just target specific things. Uh, so any thoughts on, are we okay fully funding this this year? Uh, anybody against fully funding it? This is Shannon Reed, Douglas County Commission. Um, <clears throat> I I do support fully funding it. Um, I think that some of the questions and um, concerns raised about um, I think are more about the structure of this advisory board, um, you know, to Sarah's points. And I think that, um, Edith, I appreciate you pointing out that, you know, to just be in a sort of repetitive cycle um, is maybe not our, uh, the most useful way to to leverage these funds in our community. Um, however, it is a, a program that meets a need, uh, especially in the scope of the dollars 
that we have this year, like it, it's on the low end of the request scale. And to some degree, I wish it were helping, had capacity to help more families. But I think that those issues are are a bit more uh, systemic or dynamic in terms of willing property owners, available units, um, and some of those factors. And so I, I'm interested in us having a deeper conversation about um, how we how we believe these funds should be invested and how much we are doing to facilitate um, conversations in the community about the types of projects um, and creativity or collaborations that we want to see. So, but I do think that we should support it this year. Okay. Yeah, go ahead, Ron. Ron Gacious, Chamber Representative. I fully well expect that at the end of our meeting, I'll be voting yes for a group of projects that includes funding for New Horizons. Uh, and I apologize for flipping it with the other smaller requests that I was going to use as a side-by-side -side example. But the New Horizons is a smaller example of what we're gonna talk about later uh, in more depth probably, and that is what role should the housing trust fund play in funding social services? And I would prefer us to tell the social service agencies that unless you're building housing or unless you're using vouchers to put people into a space, we're not the source of your program operational budgets. Um, I think the housing trust fund is for a number of reasons, a very poor source of funds for operational budgets that are going to reoccur, as pointed out, as an annual request. We aren't leveraging any other investment. We're first dollar money here. And that kind of goes against one of the principles that we said, you know, we wanted to help guide our, our uh, use of the trust fund dollars. Almost every single use of our funds for services as opposed to making housing affordable, uh, ends up being an annual operational budget request. And I think we've got to have an important discussion uh, about whether that's an appropriate use of housing trust fund dollars. We are falling woefully behind on the capital budget, uh, capital project side. And, and we have such a poor model for soliciting capital project proposals that we don't, you know, we get a couple, you know, and where's the pipeline for, for, for building? We don't have a pipeline for building. We have goals, we have no plans. And so we've been getting what we get and, and, um, you know, I, I don't know that we're making that much difference with our dollars. You know, these social services needs are legitimate. I support funding them. I expect the city to fund them, the county to fund them, but let's see where we're gonna put all these federal dollars and whatever the new local and state commitment is and, and then plug any holes if we think it's appropriate to fund services from the trust fund. I don't think we should be the front dollar, uh, the first dollar uh, in on these kinds of programs. Uh, if we're gonna do anything with some dollars for this program, how about we just hold those dollars 
set aside $50,000 worth of funding until there's a final determination from the city and county of how they're going to fund the homeless and transitional housing initiatives. Okay, and uh, Monty, so Jerry, any thoughts on that? That's some interesting concept there, Ron. Uh, you know, you brought up something a new, new something new here. So, other people's thoughts on setting that aside. And this, this is Sarah Waters of KU. I, I recommend we move on to discuss the next one, um, and then let's come back to this because I think. Okay. I'm not sure we're going to make a decision decision on this, but I think as we move through some of the others, this will probably flow back in. So unless folks want to keep talking. Um, okay. All right. I think that's all right. So we're tentatively putting that one on hold. Uh, so we move to Independence Inc. That's the accessible housing program. Uh, the request, request is for $50,000. Um, this basically makes capital investments in existing homes to make them accessible for people that need those need those modifications so that they can stay in their home. Uh, again, this is a program we've funded multiple years. So, any uh, any comments on that? Are we not just doing the same thing here? Yeah, go ahead, Thomas. Uh, sorry, Thomas, I'm a large border realtors representative. Are we not just doing the same thing here as we discussed on that last one? Well, uh, to some extent, yes, and some extent, no. We are making capital improvements to a home right. to allow somebody to stay there instead of having them move, have to move out to a different kind of facility. So we're keeping them housed and then uh, Typically, these houses, uh, I'm going from memory here a little bit, but have a period of years where they need to stay in the house or they have to pay back I, part I, of the cost. I understand what, what the program mm -hmm. is doing, but in terms of our financing of it, uh, is this not just another annual pass? I don't have a problem doing it, except that it feels to me like it is the same, uh, you know, as, as Ron refers to it, the first dollar request without it being leveraged. And so yeah. I, I am not disputing that we should probably do it again, but that this leads to that larger conversation around, are we, are we being a good steward of the dollars? Mm -hmm. Yeah, go ahead, Ron. Uh, Mr. Chairman, Ron Gacious, Chamber of Commerce representative. Um, and I'd like to comment on, on Thomas's comments because it, 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 I think there's a distinction, at least in my mind, of the two examples. They're both examples of annual requests that had become kind of first dollar operational budgets for these two agencies. That, and, and, and in my mind, that's a demerit for any uh, for any ask. But there's an important uh, function being served directly tied to the capital investment in affordable housing in this community through one of the programs. 
the accessible housing program by independence. They, they are actually enhancing the value of our affordable housing capital stock. And, and the other is part of a badly needed social services safety net that helps ind individuals and families um, pass through troubling times and, and become stable contributing members of society that can handle their responsibilities and, and live in housing. And I see those as two very different roles. As Monty Circuit Chair, any other comments on this? Yeah, go ahead. This is Sarah Waters of KU. I agree with Ron. I don't, I don't think this is the same as the request to the Housing Authority. Um, and while it is, we have seen this a couple years. Um, we didn't fund it fully a couple years ago because we made decisions otherwise. Um, and I do think, Ron, I think this might be the project you were speaking to earlier. What if we funded this more? Um, it sounded like Independence Inc. has a significant backlog um, where they might be able to help additional people then stay in their homes um, from an affordability standpoint. So I, I find this I find this to be good to see it again. Um, and I'd, I'd like to fund it minimally at the, the full amount that they've requested. Uh, this is Edith Guppy, and I would agree with that. Okay, this is Monty Sokup Chair. Uh, so let's uh, pencil this one in at full funding. And when we get through all, we'll come back and talk about some funding levels. And if there are dollars that people want to modify this, you know, and raise this up a little bit or whatever, we can talk about that then. Let's pencil it in now at 50000 And we'll move on to the next item if we're okay with that. Uh, housing Stabilization Collaborative. Um, okay, hold on, being organized here. Uh, it's a half million dollar request. Um, it provides basically uh, all kinds of services to keep people housed the way I understood it. Um, some of its vouchers, some of its operational costs. Um, there is, uh, you know, fund. There are is funding from other uh, sources. Um, so with that, I will open it up for the uh, committee to comment on. Go ahead, Edith. <laughs> this is like a turbo thing that pushes the question we have dealt with from the very beginning that uh, Ron has already sort of talked about. Mm -hmm. um, really great program, really important needed services that we deal with each time um, we we wrestle with this and this is a huge request so it's just like a turbocharged discussion 
because I don't think we've ever had a request this huge um, that pushes it this far, but it's, it's the basic uh, quandary we find ourselves in. Um, that's all I can say. So, uh, five, half a million dollars, no, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I don't know where to land on this because the services are important, but for everything that Ron has said about really the best uses of these funds, what I thought the housing trust fund was for, this does not, um, I, I'm so torn between uh, the long-term benefit of uh, brick and mortar and the importance of the services. This is Sarah Waters. I agree with Ethan, or I'm sorry, with Edith. Um, got a kid named Ethan. So uh, I also, so, and for me, I think some of what we've talked about before, like what worries me on this one to fund it completely is it's one-time money. And I feel like we've seen, we have some precedents for some similar types of things of coming back to ask for more um, because undoubtedly this money will have extreme benefit in the community and again it's a one-time fund so i'm worried about what happens in the future and maybe that's i don't know maybe the worry should be unfounded and we just get there and we have this conversation a year from now um or differently um i do think there's tons of value in this because of what it's doing um but it's in that same bucket um with the housing authorities proposal for me so i'm not exactly sure where to go right, go ahead ron Thank you, sir. Uh, Ryan Gase, Chamber of Commerce representative. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I'm I'm not in favor of um, honoring the request for service for funding services this year, for exactly the reason Sarah just said. If we put it off next year, then the request is not to fund new services. The quest become the request becomes maintain our services and any reduction in that baseline is you're taking services away from someone and i think that's a much more difficult vote i know i would be uncomfortable doing it i supported the use of trust fund dollars in the past for services my, my, my support was completely situational. We were in a housing crisis. That's the way it was presented to us. We are in a housing crisis. We need additional funds for vouchers and the way to ensure that those vouchers have the highest effectiveness is to surround those folks with some supportive services. And every one of the people that uses one of the vouchers we're managing is required to participate in the supportive services. I love that model. That's a great model. We helped pilot that model. Now we need to get the hell out of the way. Let's go pilot more other new initiatives. Let's get other thing out, every other things started. You know, the difference between funding services and funding capital investments is profound. One, you have to keep doing every year to maintain the investment. One, 
you do it a single time, and then you've got an investment that extends for years. Now, I don't think we're offering enough subsidy to capital investment. You know, if it costs me $5,000 a year to put somebody in a bedroom with a, a, a voucher and supportive services, and I imagine it's much more than that, I don't know, but let's say it's $5,000. Well, uh, you know, we blanch at a $15,000 subsidy for a bedroom for a house, but that $15,000 investment in that bedroom gives me affordable housing for 30 years or more. And I'm going to spend that in three years on the voucher and wraparound services. So I, you know, I, I think the, I think the wraparound services are important. I'll, I'll be the first conferee at the city commission urging that they find a place to fund these essential programs. They improve people's lives and they improve the effectiveness of our housing investment. But let's don't put off till next year the difficult decisions. Thank you, Ron. Swamp to sort of chair. Uh, other comments on this program? I would just add one thing. Uh, last year, we funded this same program to $150,000. Uh, so I don't know how that would, you know, if we decide to fund it in some way, how that plays into that, but I thought that's a good benchmark of what we did last year. Um, and you know, if, if we were to do something like that, I'm, I'm kind of, we need to send the message that, uh, you know, we hope that that this group, you know, finds this program, finds other funding sources and try to help support the possibility of that. Um, So, but Mr. Chairman, I yeah, support that. I, I would support that flat funding for the program, and 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 urge them to find a place where their operational budget fits. This is Shannon Reed of the County Commission. Um, can some veteran members help me know? Because I did not go back and review last year's application to compare um but it seems is it fair to say that this year has an expansion of services an additional proposal of pilot programs and i apologize for not having done my homework and gone to compare those side by side previously but some summary of that because it feels like a pretty extensive uh, they've really expanded their services in the past year to meet the needs, including things like the landlord incentive program mediation with landlords. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. that there's a lot of value in um, that and really building some foundational support that can lend itself to more voucher availability, more unit availability and capital projects in the future while maintaining housing for people and avoiding eviction crises, um, but I, I'm interested in knowing um, how much this expands on what the previous request that was funded last year. That's Monty Soto Chair. I don't know that I know the answer to that. Um, I got the last year's funding was our funding history that was in this year's application. So I didn't I can't say that I did the homework and went back to last year's application to, to look at the actual budget to see what was added. 
um, or if it was just sheer, the sheer number of people they plan to provide services to. I do know that, I think that legal services the component was added, but. Um, Mr. Chairman? Yeah, go ahead, Ron. Sorry. Ron Gacious, Chamber Representative. Here's the ugly truth. We don't know how these funds get, get spent. You know, we, we've started funding social services out of the housing trust fund outside of the normal funding cycle for social services. There's no competitive RFP. We don't have agencies competing for a set number of services. We've got people bringing us proposals for whatever they want to do. And, and you know, I have no rubric to go back and examine to determine the level of services that were even provided here. And none's been provided us. You know, it, it, to me, it demonstrates how outside the normal model for funding using trust fund dollars is for these kinds of services. You know, why, why is it that we don't have any new agencies participating? Maybe it's because all the rules got written by the existing agencies. You know, what, why do we have no outreach coming to us from minority communities with, with new housing initiatives? We don't have anything happening like that. Shannon Reed, Douglas County Commission. Um, so, I mean, I, HSC is not old enough to, I mean, they were funded for one previous year, but they are not really old enough or established enough in this community to have been a part of, um, I think, the original sort of framing of how these trust fund dollars have been utilized and what that, what cycles that has maybe created. Um, I think for me, this HSC proposal, I mean, I've seen them expand on their work in response to community needs repeatedly in their existence so far. And it's very collaborative in nature. They provided us a lot of information about the uh, impact and services that they've provided to specifically minority and underrepresented communities. Um, and I think that for me, when I think about affordable housing, I mean, I agree, I want more capital projects. I like, I would like to see more of that. And I want to hear thoughts and ideas about how we do that kind of outreach. Um, and there is a spectrum of, of need and various, I guess, tactics, if you will, and strategies for addressing people's access to affordable housing, whether that's renting or rental or ownership. And so, um, you know, our community, Lawrence is predominantly a rental community and to, to not acknowledge the service, the need, the deep need for services and, and the ability to use, really leverage some of these um, trust fund dollars for it. I. For, I guess for me, what it really boils down to is it's not an either or for me. I think that there's um, 
that there's a lot of value to a diversity of, of projects. And perhaps it's been heavy loaded on the services side of things and incremental, um, not brand new capital investments that, that don't need repeated funding. Um, and that's a something that we need to unpack further as Sarah mentioned earlier um, and has been stated, but I, I am in support of funding this. I really believe in the work that HSC has been doing and I think that it's having impact. And I, um, I think that there's some real value in investing dollars towards the, the landlord, um, basically support and mediation um, and incentive um, dollars can go a long way towards improving affordability and access to affordable housing throughout our community. Um, so it sounds like they're not, there's not really enough support here today for full funding, um, but interested in hearing other numbers that people are comfortable with, or maybe this is something that we <clears throat> come back to after moving through the other ones and see what dollars we have left. This is Sarah Waters. I agree with Shannon. I I agree we need to fund this in some capacity today, but let's go through the, I think, two left um, mm -hmm. and then come back and see where we're at today, potentially, because we all know there's a lot of value in this, in this proposal and they've been doing the work and we know the work hasn't gotten easier in the past year. Okay, Smonty, so good. Chair, any other comments on this if we move on? Um, I, I agree with a lot of what's been said, and that certainly it's a valuable program. And it comes down to the conversation we had about a year ago about, you know, do we create two different funding buckets, one for services and one for, and, you know, we voted to go, we decided to go away from that. We're going to have that, you know, maybe we're going to revisit that so that we can make sure, you know, that uh, people come with reasonable expectations for what we are willing to, you know, fund in those arenas. So, um, okay, so we're going to move on. We're going to put a blank in that space for now and move on to Lawrence Habitat for Humanity project. This is a critical systems repair. It's $50,000 request. Uh, mostly uh, benefits homeowners that, you know, are on the verge of crisis uh, and keeps them in their houses uh, by providing funds for those uh, uh, kind of needed essential repairs. Um, so I am, we have funded this at varying levels around $50,000 uh, in the past. So comments. This is the, this is Sarah Waters. I'll just go ahead. Ron, I saw your hand. I, but I will just say, I find this to be consistent really with some of the same strengths that Independence Inc.'s proposal had. Um, they're clearly working to make modifications that I see as capital improvements um, just to help folks. And so I thought this was, again, a strong proposal and, and I would like to see it funded um, today. Edith Guffey, agreed. Okay, this Monty Silk up chair. Anybody disagree with funding this uh, initiative? Okay, so I'm going to pencil it in at $50,000 and we're going to move on to the Saab construction going south subdivision. Um, 
<laughs> this is a project. Uh, it, it's an interesting project to me because it's the first time we've had a private uh, developer really come to us, and I applaud that. Um, my assessment, kind of, of the uh, proposal is they didn't quite understand what the the goals and the desired outcomes of this board. Um, and um, in the fact that they suggested lowering the price of every lot so it would lower the price of every unit in that house for the first buyer. But my concern with that was that as soon as that first buyer sells that house, they take that subsidy with them in the sale and it's not then a permanently you know, reduced value of that house. That, that first person really gets the subsidy. Um, that said, I think there's opportunity here uh, to work with Saab Construction to maybe come up with something uh, that would be uh, create permanently affordable housing. I'm, it's not in this proposal right now, uh, but I think there's opportunity there. I think that uh, Frank Saab's and his, and his uh, group has their hearts in the right place. They maybe just didn't know how to get there. <laughs> so that's my thoughts on it. I am certainly open to other uh, other thoughts on that project? Uh, Mr. Chair, I would agree. You know, I, I would like for us to, I, I would suggest that we uh, work with them. We The first private person that uh, developer we have had come to us mm -hmm. uh, with a proposal wanting to help solve this problem. Uh, doesn't know the system. <laughs> doesn't know what's he's not an insider mm -hmm. here and that we work with him and tenants and homeowners um, and Habitat for Humanity to see if we can get this proposal where it needs to be uh, that meets the needs that we have the long-term needs that we have um, for affordable housing that we can approve to say this is really what we need and that we set the dollars aside we've done we set dollars aside before um, so that we can actually put us, be uh, enthusiastically supportive of this program. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but I would hope that we would try. Uh, go ahead, Ron. I think you got your hand up there. Ron Gacious, Chamber Representative. Um, Mr. Chairman, the first couple of times I looked at this proposal on the Going South subdivision, I thought to myself, well, this is a really innovative use of housing trust fund dollars, but it's considerably outside the scope of the way we've been, you know, the way we've envisioned spending, spending our dollars. Mm -hmm. And, and then I'm thinking about our discussion earlier today about spending on services and how services broadly are related to housing or aren't broadly related to housing. And you have to acknowledge that an investment with a road to make lots accessible for building starts to sound more and more like a legitimate expenditure of trust fund dollars. Uh, it's at least very directly tied to making affordable lots available. Um, now, I'm not suggesting that we actually authorize funding uh, from the trust fund for these road improvements. I think those need to be handled another way. 
And I think, you know, all of us need to reach out to whatever city commissioners we know and, and urge them to take a, a look at what's not that big of a project that could make available some, some open lots here in the community. And I guess what I'd like to ask is, are we already counting these lots as available for development? Because if we are, it doesn't really seem like they're available, does it? Anyway, I like I like the idea of setting aside funds and and working with um, the con the contractor here, see if they can reconfigure a request that allows us to create some permanently affordable homes. And I do have one other comment about this request. This is all single family housing. Uh, our, I don't know if any of you are reading any of the materials from Strong Towns, but they are one of the leading advocates for greater density in our communities. And, and do we want to be trying to encourage more density by directing our largest incentives for duplexes maybe instead of single family homes? Just, just a question to ponder. Maybe that's something we ask ourselves during our retreat. Yeah, uh, thanks, Ron. Thomas has got his hand up, but I would just make one comment. There are there were uh, multifamily lots in that subdivision. So okay, thank you. I didn't realize that. And single family included. So go ahead, Thomas. Yeah, and a couple of different things. I've been working. Uh, Thomas Kyle Lawrence, Board of Realtors representative. I've been working with the Board of Realtors and with City Planning and Zoning. Uh, reviewing lot inventory and I do not believe that those lots are included in that inventory at this point so there's the answer to that Ron and we have um, done quite a bit working on uh, density we've, we've done quite a lot around apartments and, and uh, things of that nature so I don't think that we are neglecting our density uh, needs and I think I, I'm strongly in support of this but however we can make it work just for the reason that uh, we want to attract more than just social service organizations to participate in this in this funding source. And so I think encouraging uh, private developers is uh, is a good thing for us to do. I'm in, I'm in support of this, however it works out. Go ahead, Sarah. This is Sarah Waters. I, I agree with those statements as well. I What strikes me is about the time we had this presentation, um, from the SALBs, I was also in another conversation about the need for infrastructure into a site in order for development to then happen from there. Um, and it, and I know that that's critical. I mean, I know you have to have water lines, you have to have, you know, the electricity, you have to have all of those things or roads, right? And and so, I think as we continue to look forward on this, I, I'm remembering when the when Diane, I think, did that presentation, was it two or three meetings ago, and was sharing some different spots in town. And there was one over, if I'm remembering right, by Holcomb Park that the school district's trying to sell maybe. Mm -hmm. But one of the comments was made is that the infrastructure wasn't there. Um, and so that was going to be a cost. Um, so I'm just throwing this all out there because, again, we know you've got to have those things in order then for the land to be built on. Um, but I'm, I think there's probably a way as we keep moving forward and thinking about this again, so I'm back now to the future again, but are there other places that are privately owned, such as this space the Solbs have over on the east side of town? I, I had driven by this tons and didn't understand, frankly, why that roundabout did what it did um, until he gave his presentation. I'm like, oh, well, that makes sense. 
Um, and so that, that conversation about that spot near Holcomb, are there other spots that we could be thinking about that investment to infrastructure, getting the city to fund it? Yeah, I know it comes at cost so that this development could happen in spaces where we know we've got schools, we've got transportation, we've got people that want to live there to really help the affordable housing market in our town. Thank you, Sarah. I think that that's a good point. I think if we if we do move forward with this and we show that that can be done and that you know infrastructure can be somehow not not necessarily paid for but subsidized in some way, and maybe that's you know maybe we get six lots in exchange that go into the uh, community housing trust, you know, in exchange for the three hundred thousand dollars and how Mr. Saab uses his the three hundred thousand dollars really up to him if it pays for the road and he has to give away the lots. It all works out, but we get those lots or whatever, whatever it is that we can work out with him that seems to work. I think we really open the door for future projects. Uh, and it might be a sewer next time that's needed or a mainline extension, right? It, who knows what it is? It's not necessarily a street. So, uh, but again, I think really um, this is partly coming about because of plan you know, horizon 2040 where they talk about new, I think the commissions, both commissions struck, tried to open the door for us when they talk about new annexations into the city and such have to have a public benefit, you know, and this is where we can step in. They've opened the door for us and now it's partly up to our creativity and developers creativity as to how we walk through that door and make it benefit uh, affordable housing. So. Uh, I just see this as an incredible opportunity. I guess I'm going to recommend again that we set aside this $300,000. Us and staff work with uh, the Saab uh, construction and development, whatever the name of that company is, and and we work to try to come up with something to bring back to this committee. And then we can, uh, like Edith said, we can decide if that's a good deal for us or not. And we want to spend those trust dollars on it. But I don't want to just shut the door on it now because he didn't they didn't understand uh the process and the and the desired outcomes so are we fair with that yeah shannon go ahead uh shannon reed douglas county commission chair i'm just wondering if um now would be an appropriate time it, it, it occurred to me after the last meeting that i believe that it was brad carr if i remember right who said that um staff had questions about that also and then i think you know our conversation moved on and it was kind of all over the you know there's a lot to going on and we didn't hear what those staff questions were i think the conversation has progressed obviously they provided some supplemental information but i'm wondering if um you think it's appropriate that staff could maybe give us some sort of update about um if any of their questions initially have been answered with supplemental information or if there's other, I guess, thoughts they have in response to this discussion about um, setting aside, working to progress the proposal. Right, uh, thank you, Shannon. Brad, I see you jumped on here. So I'm let you jump in there. Hi, this is Brad Carr, Community Development Analyst. and. Uh, yeah, staff had met earlier when we were reviewing the in initial applications and came up with a, a few questions and they were basically more around the back end. If the board chooses to fund this proposal, um, obviously we would have to craft an agreement between the city and the developer and in that agreement we would have to specify uh, some performance measures and that's what 
in the proposal from the developer, there really is no, what is the city receiving for X amount of dollars? And that's what we would have to have somehow hashed out in order to create that document. Um, in all of the information we've received from the applicant, it's all um, kind of, you know, if I don't know my costs yet, and so I don't know what I can sell. And we, we can't really write that into an agreement that way. Mm -hmm. um, so um, that's kind of what staff was concerned about is how we would craft that back end agreement um, as to what is being exactly received and how do we measure that in a performance agreement in order to um, have the legal department, you know, approve that. Right. Yeah. Uh, Smondi, sort of chair, I, you know, to me, it looks like some kind of, you know, maybe that's a purchase of a certain number of lots with the funds that are provided and we get something in return and he builds the street. It may have nothing to do with the street. It's an exchange of the lots we get for the funds we're providing. And it looks almost like a sale, you know, and just the access access to those lots at a certain, you know. So I don't know, I agree. There's a lot of details to work out and, and certainly the SOBs have to be in agreement with what we come up with as well. You know, they may look at that and go, no way, that doesn't work for us. So. Uh, I see Ron's got his hand. Uh, wants to make a comment? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Ron Gacious, Chamber Representative. This is a question for Brad. Uh, Brad, I'm impressed with the level of detail you require from your um, uh, parties to your agreements. Do we have the same level of detail in the agreements we have with social service agencies that are providing wraparound services to vouchers? Do you know what we're getting for our money? This is Brad Carr, Community Development Analyst. I might have to ask uh, Leah or uh, Danny to jump in on that. I know Danny uh, was the lead on crafting the uh, agency agreements last time you guys funded. And so uh, one of them might, and in the meantime, I'll pull up the actual agreements and review them quickly. Thank you. Okay. Any other comments on, uh, before we go on to that, any other comments on the uh, going south subdivision. Are, we, are people comfortable saying let's set aside three hundred thousand, see if we can work something out and come to an agreement? Chair, I see that Leah unmuted, and I'm wondering if staff okay. further had yeah. further follow up. This is Danny Walters. I was actually just going to speak to the uh, social service agreement language. Um, yes, we do ask for a performance matrix in terms of who they are assisting, demographics for those folks, um, basically the same information that we're having to gather for the federal grants, we have started implementing into these agreements. So I hope that answers the question. Thank you, Danny. I have one more follow-up question. Okay, Shannon Reed, Douglas County Commission. Can um, I've heard, I can't remember who, maybe a couple folks have referenced that there's been previous examples of setting aside funds and then basically workshopping further. Can, can somebody summarize one of those for me? And I sort of in a bit of a timeline, like is there any expectation of uh of when we would know whether those funds were definitively allocated or not. So, uh, Shannon Smonty, Silk Up Chair, 
I can't think of a specific time we set aside funds. I'm not saying there wasn't, but I know that on several projects, you know, the level of detail hasn't of how the how it gets executed and how what matrix we use. And I know that staff has continued, you know, to work on these actual agreements that talk about how to do that. And, you know, been some massaging as as that goes along. Um, so that occurs on most projects, especially uh, the uh, capital improvement projects. So, uh, for instance, I think on uh, the project we did over there on uh, either Delaware or Pennsylvania with the 47 units, you know, we uh, specifically said we wanted units for you know zero to 30 percent, which was not in the in the program that the contractor uh, submitted. And that was able to be was we were able to negotiate in a certain number of units that fall into that because theirs was a average of 60% AMI or below, and it didn't specify any specific zero to 30, you know. So I know that we, you know, required that and they then and they were able to work that in the agreement. So I, that's one example of how we've kind of massaged things. I'm maybe a little less extreme than this, uh, but certainly that's a possibility. I don't know that we have a, a real specific example of Shannon to go to. I, but what I started to think about as you were asking your question was, again, and I think they both didn't go for different reasons, um, but we've had two capital projects that haven't gone. And one is the, it was a porch light that was there off the 23rd, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then also the tenants to homeowner piece out by, um, on the, on the West side. And I can't remember all the specifics of why they didn't go. Um, other than through the documents and money and all of that. So what I was thinking about is some of the lessons learned of those. Um, and are we trying to find themes of lessons learned as we're developing what we sounds like we're recommending we develop for the solves um, and timelines there and to, to use those other experiences? Because I think that if we could try to get that process and what's reasonable in terms of um the agreements or the the asks and then they come back and they've met their milestone and then then that's when the funding you know is released i think that that would behoove us in the long run um i have one other comment i know jeff i just saw you and or turn your video on this is slightly different but i don't want to forget this um monty you said uh something along the lines of infrastructure well and also annexation annexation and things moving forward so i i think in the long run for this body to look at as well you know there's a a pretty significant road that's going to get built um i think it's connecting wakarusa down to 458 right um there around the youth sports complex and right there on that east side of the lake and there's a ton of land there and i know we've had conversations at different times about the development um, and the needs. And so, but annexation was something that came in when I'd mentioned that area south of the bypass before. So I think as we're, again, we're thinking forward and we're looking where the county and city are funding that road and how that's maybe coming and the opportunity there. All these things that we're thinking about, the solves might be able to then be used down the path to build more homes or build more developments there that would really serve our community. So again, slightly different, but kind of put it on the list maybe for additional conversation. Um, that's why I wanted to make sure to say that. Thank you, Sarah. Is that one of those lay awake at night and think about affordable housing? <laughs> well, I drive actually I drive in that way uh, every day on 458 as I'm coming in. 
Um, you know that. And so, and just thinking how easy it'll be for me to get to the west side of town once that road's finally done, right? Um, but also all that potential um, there is just something that is potentially, you know, 10 years from now, what that all might look like um, on that part of, and in, in that part of the town. So right. if it is part of town, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Jeff. You got the floor here. Craig Klein, Development Services Director. Um, I was just going to comment that Sarah was exactly right. The one project that comes to mind with that timeline would be the 23rd in Tennessee project where we had some metrics that were built into that agreement that that went along with it there. So it, it's not a, it wouldn't be us creating a whole new road. It would be us probably learning some things that we learned as part of that process and, and revolving it out there. But there are some of those agreements that are in place there. I did want to confirm um, Thomas is correct. The lots that were in question, excuse me, the lot inventory does not include the lots that were in this portion here because they have not gone through the full planning process yet. So I just want to provide those two bits of information. Mm -hmm. um, uh, my, uh, Mr. Chair, this is Edith Guffey. Um, Shannon, I want to say Bethel Estates Part 2, the second um, piece that they did, they came to us the first time. They weren't ready. We had some questions. They went through with their process. And we let them know we were very interested in them. We did not fund them the first time. And they went, uh, they were not ready. And they came back and we did fund them the second time. Do you all remember that? Was everybody mm -hmm. there? Yeah. Thanks everybody for that response. And the Shannon Reed, Douglas County Commission. Thanks for that example, Edith. I, I mean, coming into this meeting, that's kind of what was on my mind that it doesn't feel ready enough, um, in my opinion, to even set aside the funds for. In part, I say, I mean, it had just barely over a 50% score across the board. Um, and so that would, you know, it, that doesn't still, to me, a lot of confidence um, across our board. And perhaps it's effectively the same thing, or I guess setting it aside means that if progress really gets made, quickly in the coming year, then it, those funds could be authorized. Um, but the wondering if it will either be resolved elsewhere, potentially through city funding or other sources around infrastructure and federal dollars that are coming down, um, because I, if I was trying to find it, but I don't want to keep scrolling. Um, I remember part of the application talking about how, you know, if it were one, they weren't sure about that amount exactly and could be less maybe. Um, and also that if it were paid for else, if funding was found elsewhere, that this request would be withdrawn. Um, so I'll, I guess I'll just, my last comment was that um, my thoughts coming into this was that um, it's not ready enough to approve funds for, and but maybe it will still be on the table and be reapplied for with more information during the next year's cycle, so. Uh, thank you, Shannon. And that is certainly an option. Um, I think they'll, uh, yeah, uh, certainly an option. So uh, go ahead, Ron. My gracious chamber representative, um, I wanted to respond to Shannon. I think she's raised some interesting uh, uh, and, and legitimate concerns. And, and I would just uh, say that it's really not my intention to start spending housing trust fund dollars on infrastructure investments other than direct expenditures 
for, for housing and housing improvements. It, it's, it's interesting that this came in as a street improvement request, but ultimately I don't think that's what we should be uh, approving in the way of a subsidy for this project. I think the subsidies should be targeted specifically to the lots that are made available for uh, affordable housing. I think that those lots, whether they're single family homes or duplexes or whatever, should be somehow uh, obligated to be a, a fit within the affordable formula for a minimum of 30 years. Uh, and th that's the type of agreement or proposal that I think we could help guide Mr. Saab in coming to us and setting aside the $300,000 doesn't mean that he automatically gets that right. once he reaches an agreement with us He's got to come in with his with his new proposal, and then we decide: Do we want to? Does this meet our criteria now? Is this the right way to spend our money? Can we get the same result for less than three hundred thousand dollars, or is it going to take a little bit more to maybe buy some additional lots? So all of that's left to be decided. I see us still having a lot of oversight and guidance in this process. As Monty Sokup, Chair, I. I agree with that. I think my thought is on doing the set aside now is we have an opportunity. We have someone with interest. It's a, you know, that we haven't seen before. We need to strike kind of while the iron's hot and developers will move on. You know, if they don't have it, they will, they will just move on. And uh, I think we got an opportunity here. So I'd like to open the door and kind of do something different and and have that opportunity to set those sides of fund and work with them. And if we come to something that comes back to this board and we vote it down, then that's the case. We vote, you know, it doesn't meet our criteria. We don't do it. It doesn't go anywhere. Uh, and, and, and the other thing is I think we don't have, you know, a lot of other options project wise to spend these funds. So we're not really, if we don't, <laughs> if we don't set it aside and say, we want to work with them, we're still not going to spend the funds and make any progress. So I think it was just an opportunity to, to to step outside a little bit and say, look, you made an attempt and let's go try to make good on it and and, and get something that benefits us. So yeah. uh, go ahead, Ron. Ron Gacious, Chamber Representative. We really haven't had a model yet that's worked with private sector contractors. Let's let this become you know, the model, or at least a model for how we can work with private sector contractors. Um, honestly, the private sector guys haven't been taking us very seriously yet. Right. Here's an opportunity for us to show that, you know, you still got to build your houses up to code, but we're going to meet you halfway somehow in getting something done. And we'll still negotiate what that something meets you halfway looks like. But, uh, but I, I, I see a lot of promise with this. Mr. Sobs uh, reached out to me and wanted to talk about this project. I've told him I couldn't talk to him about it till after this meeting, um, but we already have plans to visit um, some sometime later this week uh, to talk about what are the things he ought to be asking for? What are the things that are priorities? You know, and I'm, I'm gonna take our housing needs study along and show him what our needs are. We've got enormous needs. He, he can help address a small piece of them. Yeah, go ahead, Edith. Yeah, and I wonder, um, do is it our role uh, to ask the city to step up to the plate 
and uh, do the infrastructure pieces. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, question. <laughs> so that they're contributing to this project and the $300,000 can then go to lower the cost even more of affordable for affordable housing. I support that. Yeah, no. Make it a motion. So moved. I mean, what can they do but say no? I mean, really? Can they not do this? Yeah, so uh, Ms. Monty, so good, Chair. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Certainly, we want the city to do what, you know, what they can. But, you know, when we made those recommendations to them to reduce street trees, reduce sidewalk requirements, do all these things that would help contractors lower the cost, it basically came back with a no. I mean, they gave it, I mean, they gave in on two, you know, two of the recommendations. So, you know, um, they're sent, I, that, to me, that's. But they said, bring us bigger ideas. Here's they, a big they idea. Did. They said, bring us yeah. bigger ideas. These are insignificant. Right. Here's a bigger idea. Pay for the street improvement. Agreed. But a bigger idea like paying for the street improvement isn't going to fly either. There's got to be something more than just asking them to pay for it, in my opinion. This is Sarah Waters. I, I agree with you, Monty, but then then give us more ideas. So I, I do think this is worth pushing back because it's kind of, it's been interesting. Like, no, we're going to ding these and come back with something else. I'm like, what do you want, right? Or what are your ideas? Right. Um, and I think we've got another idea here that's worth pinballing over to them and see if they just put it back to us, potentially. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to... Uh, we're coming up on 1220 here. Uh, that's a motion, Monty. You have a motion to yeah, it please, is. please restate your motion and I'll we'll address that. Uh, I move that we request that the city pay for the street projects. Second. Street uh, street improvements. Okay, so we would be making so I'm gonna restate that a little bit our board would be making a recommendation to the city commission that they consider paying for uh, paying you pay for the entire street work with Frank Saab to come up with a solution to reduce the cost of the street what do you you just want to say pay for the street you know I'm not a construction person Ron what do you think I like keeping it broad and vague ask at, let's let's ask the city to make the improvements necessary to um, to make the lots available for construction for development. Oh, I would just recommend amending that it's the 28th Street extension. Yes, construction of 28th Street. Maybe that specification in the motion would be helpful. Okay, that's a friendly amendment. Uh, Thomas, go ahead. Are, are you going to open this for discussion now? I will as soon as we have a motion. We have a motion and a second. We have a motion and a second. Then amended to include the description of 28th Street. So uh, with that on table, we'll open that for discussion. Uh, Thomas Howell, Lawrence Border Realtors uh, uh, representative. I would suggest that we do, with that request, have some component of affordability. Since it is coming from this body, I would suggest that there be a proviso or a 
uh, some form of a codicil that says in order for the city to do this, then the developer needs to work within the parameters of the Affordable Housing Advisory Board's uh, remit. Okay, I, this is Monty Sotomayor. I, I like that suggestion. Um, I guess I, I'm uh, opposed to this motion because I think it's more in our realm to try to work with, you know, have staff work with the SOBs to come up with a proposal um, that uh, does have an impact on affordable housing. Because if the if the city pays for the street and Frank Saab builds those houses, um, it doesn't make them affordable. There's nothing there that says he's going to lower the cost a lot or that those are going to be permanently affordable and the first person doesn't walk away with all the uh, all of the investment. So. Um, my my comment is I think we're better off uh, trying to work with him to come up with something that does have the affordability component uh, and then forward that on. But go ahead. And I, Thomas Al Lawrence Board of Realtors representative, I would suggest that uh, the city has ways of of creating agreements between people who are receiving benefits and I think that if we just uh, hope that the city does, you know, oh, okay, well, we'll do this with the hope of it won't happen. I think that it needs to come from a body such as ours, and it needs to have some specifics attached to it. And I think that, that instead of waiting for the process, which to date has not worked to work, then we need to, we need to take a stand. Okay. Other comments on this motion? All right. So then we're going to take a vote here. I'm going to call the roll of who's here. Uh, Thomas Howe? Four. Thomas Allen? Four. Uh, Sarah Waters? Yes. Uh, Ron Gacious? Yes. Edith Guppy? Yes. Uh, Monty Sokup, nay. Uh, so that is 5 1. Um, oh, Shannon Reed. Sorry, I'm sorry. Shannon, I, yes. <clears throat> I was trying to skip over people that were recused. Shannon or, or Shannon Reed. Yes. Yes. Okay, so that is six one. Motion passes. Uh, so we'll be forwarding a recommendation uh, to the city to pay for the cost of Twenty uh, Eighth Street um, to the benefit of affordable housing. Is that reflective? Am I getting nods on that? Okay. Okay. So, um, I guess I guess that means that we are zero funding uh, that project in this round of funding. Is that what I would take out of that, or are we in a 
consensus on that? But there's, yeah, go ahead, Ron. Um, Ron Gacious, Chamber Representative. Um, I, I'm, um, uh, I, I'm, I think at this point, we just encourage Mr. Saab to come back to us with a targeted proposal um, that benefits affordable housing. I expect that that's what's going to come out of the agreement he negotiates with the city in exchange for uh, these road improvements. So let's see what that agreement looks like. And um, when, when it's available for our review, we can uh, decide if there's any further expenditures out of the trust fund that might be appropriate or not. But I think you're correct. I don't think it needs any additional set aside at this time. Okay. This is Sarah Waters. I I did not think the motion that was just passed was contingent upon Saab engaging with the city. I thought that was a direct ask of us or right. a request for the city to fund it outside of Saab's proposal. Mm -hmm. So I do think, so I, I just want to clarify if I'm, okay. if that's accurate. So I think that's correct. In my, I mean, the motion was simply asking the city to fund the street to the benefit of affordable housing. So I don't know what that would look like in the long run of the benefit of affordable housing. So I feel like I, I still agree with, though, with Ron. I don't know that funding this proposal then to the solves right now is something that I would be right. in support of. I do though, however, want to do similar to what you mentioned we did with Bethel Estates before, strongly encourage them and then maybe they'll know about the road, right? And some of those pieces. Um, and then to come back with another proposal, I, I do think the question is, does that mean it's just on the funding cycle, which would get us to next November, right? Um, which is that's what's planned. And so, but that might give them plenty of time to know where the other things lie, I think. My understanding, I'm sorry, Thomas, how Lawrence Porter, real truth representative, and I could be wrong about this, but my understanding is that the solids own that ground already. Maybe. And so the agreement to put the road in would be Content, conditioned on affordable housing. That's the request that we are making. And since it is to the benefit of the solves, one would expect that, that agreement would, would bring that to the fore. Okay. All right. So uh, that brings us back to a wrap up discussion and figuring out funding. So I'm going to make a few comments, and I think we have some people uh, in the audience that maybe want to make some comments or clarifications based on our discussion. So before we uh, get into a discussion, I think uh, I'm going to open up for a public comment for a few minutes uh, see if we have any comments on the you know hour-long discussion we've had, and then we'll come back and try to wrap this up and make a recommendation. So Leah, I'm turning over to you for public comments. This is Leah Roseland, Affordable Housing Administrator. Mr. Chair, the uh, public comments are actually via Zoom. I, I see. Uh, okay. So I see Melinda. Okay, so Melinda, I'm assuming you wanna make a comment. Go ahead. Hi, 
Good afternoon. Um, thank you everyone for all the work that you're doing. Um, Monty, can you hear me? Everyone? Yes, we can hear you. Um, the, um, <clears throat> I, um, I appreciate the, the work you just did to um, kind of make that motion that you just made to go back and ask the city to focus on um, you know, providing infrastructure so that we can keep developing and working with our developers a little better. Um, just wanted to remind people too that we do have a couple of new commissioners and that might change um, some of the housing decisions uh, and support that you might find uh, in some initiatives. So I think that, um, you know, we have might have a new opportunity here with two new commissioners um, on the city commission. Um, I, I also um, would ask that this committee, uh, this board, consider discussing in the future at a future meeting, um, uh, requesting that the city consider an ordinance that would prevent discrimination based on the source of income. Um, you know, we've... Uh, I've, I've had a lot of conversations with uh, city commissioners, uh, city um, attorney, other attorneys, lawmakers, and we're pretty confident that that is not against state law um, to request that and to generate an ordinance that, uh, that would prevent discrimination on source of income. Um, so I hope that the advisory committee would uh, maybe discuss that sometime in the future. Um, I could also come back and uh, provide language that's been used in other cities similar to, to our, you know, Lawrence's size. Um, maybe that would be helpful as well. Um, but I am excited about the new makeup of the city commission and um, how hard everybody in that race, you know, talked a lot about housing initiatives. Um, and so I hope that going forward this next year that the advisory board gets support on, on some of your ideas. Um, that's all. Thank you. Thank you, Melinda. Uh, just one comment on that. We did take up a source of income discrimination and that has been passed on a city determined that should go to a different committee. And Leah, I am drawing a blank on the name of that committee. Um, this is Leah Roseland, Affordable Housing Administrator. Yeah, the um, Affordable Housing Advisory Board uh, discussed it at a few meetings and had several presentations and then um, worked with the Human Relations Commission, um, who has also discussed it in several meetings and um, is forming a subcommittee, I believe, to look at language. So that's uh, definitely still in conversations. And I believe the Human Relations Commission should be bringing it back to the AHAB um, in the next couple months for further discussion. Thank you, Leah, for that update. And I hope that answers at least a couple of your questions, Melinda. All right, Nicholas Ward. Uh, hello, uh, Nicholas Ward here with Tenants to Homeowners. And I just wanted to speak to a couple things. The first um, is just to touch base on some of the conversation around funding for the HSC, Tenants to Homeowners. Uh, partners with the HSC, which is just kind of an ongoing relationship from helping to establish it um, 
in the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic as a way to provide initially rent support for folks who were going to be affected by the pandemic, which ended up being quite a lot of individuals in the county. Um, and then also it became a way for us to accept state and federal funding that could be distributed um, for rent support. And one of the things that's still true is that even though it seems like some things are moving out of the pandemic is that those the housing effects of that are still being felt. And so um, I guess the, the best way to say it is some of the funding that was made available through the state that people applied for and did their due diligence and applied for on time and provided all the correct info. Um, there were a lot of delays at the state level. They weren't able to receive that. And so for us, for tenants and homeowners who's, you know, doing more of the bricks and mortar construction of housing and trying to solve problems on that end, we're not dissociated from the need that's there for these vouchers uh, to be sustained and made available. Because if, if we start seeing um, that less people are able to um, place their vouchers somewhere, less able to get that housing, that puts more of a burden on us to try to build more housing. And we're not in any time in the near future going to end up with enough money uh, to build all of the housing that we need to build. So we need to be finding um, inventive ways to make housing available without purchasing land and building the housing in addition to the purchasing of the land and the building that we're doing with the housing. So the funding that's being asked for, um, some a lot of that's for landlord mediation. Um, so some of that is working with landlords uh, to be able to get them to accept vouchers and to be able to provide some kind of incentive that says, you know, if um, there's there's kind of a, a prejudice out there around vouchers. And so the idea that if you're afraid that something's going to happen to your property, we have $3,500, let's say, where we could repair any damages that would happen to your house. So these are incentives that have to be in place for us to utilize these latent resources in our community um, to get those vouchers to go somewhere. So I just want to say that I know it's it seems like wraparound services, and it is, um, but those wraparound services make it so those individuals aren't necessarily needing us to build new physical rentals if we can get them put in existing places with their vouchers, if that makes sense. Um, so from this side on the bricks and mortar, we need that to be in place for the to make this holistic um, housing thing all work together. Um, so that's my piece on that, and I can answer any questions. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention is because um, Frank Saab had mentioned us in his application. I had a probably an hour and a half conversation with him, and from my experience working with Ahab, I just related uh, the city Ahab. They're going to want hard numbers. You know, how many lots are going to go be permanently affordable? Will they be permanently affordable? How much will they be reduced by? And what is the initial amount that those lots are gonna be starting at that you would then reduce them from? Because without any of that information, everything is pretend, right? You could say, oh, this lot started at 90,000 and then I reduced it by 40. So now it's 50,000 or it could be 50,000 and go down to 10. Um, so uh, I asked him, um, I said, if you, know, if you want this to be, I just gave my outside advice that was solicited. Um, this is what I think you would have to do to make this a successful application. And so he's aware of all that information. He might not have had time um, to put all of that in and might intend to do that. But I don't, I don't want this board to think that Frank is not aware of that. Um, he is aware that we would rather see um, six 
completely, um, six lots go completely into trust or 12 lots be made half the cost of what they would be, then we do want to see everything reduced by $5,000. And so that conversation about what affordability is, that it actually has a technical definition and who is being served has a technical definition. It's not just that everything's $5,000 cheaper. And so as a rider on that, I wanted to say that I think it would behoove um, the city and this board, um, if there could somehow be a liaison, if we really want people to, um, private developers to be bringing things to the table, I think there needs to be an educational component and maybe some kind of um, liaison that would then, uh, I think there's developers out there who are willing, but they don't even know that this is occurring in the community at all. And so um, there needs to be some educational component. And that's what I realized when I was talking to Frank is he didn't, he wasn't aware of a lot of the things that um, are kind of at the forefront of our knowledge base as affordable housing providers. Those aren't the conversations he's having on a daily basis. And so he needs they need to be provided with that information somehow. And they don't even know to look for it. If I can say that as a general statement, they don't even know to look for it or what they would be looking for. So there needs to be some way that we're sharing that if we value private developers partnering with not-for-profit developers, or if we just want them bringing projects to the table. Um, I think we saw that with Frank, that he's just missing the mark on a few things and probably not intentionally. So if we can provide that, I think that would, um, help future applications. Thank you, Nicholas. Yep, absolutely. Uh, seeing no other uh, participants, I'm going to close the open forum, open comment or public comment, and we're going to move back to uh, having a discussion about the funding. Um, so I'm going to start that conversation. Uh, what I have in my notes here is Tennessee Homeowners Michigan 6, we have penciled in. $400,000 full funding. Uh, New Horizon, uh, we had penciled in $50,000. Uh, Independence Inc., we had penciled in $50,000, which was full funding, uh, with the caveat that some had interest in even increasing that. Uh, critical Systems Repair, we had penciled in $50,000. Uh, housing Stabilization Collaborative, uh, we had just put that on hold. We didn't pencil in a number. And then going south, we also did not pencil in a number. So we have 550,000 in recommendations uh, for, uh, again, Tennis of Homeowners, New Horizon, Michigan 6, New Horizon, accessible and critical system repair. Um, so. Mr. Chair, yeah. this is Leah Roseland, Affordable Housing Administrator. Um, a couple things. One, I just wanna make sure that um, perhaps I missed it. I didn't hear that the board had made a recommendation for New Horizon. Um, I heard you state that, but I just wanted to make sure that is accurate. And um, secondly, I wanted to let the board know that I'm happy to share screen with the recommended numbers and the remaining amount, um, if that would be helpful. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that's, I don't know. 
I think it comes down to, I think we have uh, four items that we're pretty much in agreement on funding. Um, and then we have uh, two that we're, we need to hash out those numbers. So um, we're gonna jump right in. It's, I think the housing stabilization collaborative is the one we need to have a discussion on to start with. Um, I think I brought up that last year we funded that at 150,000. Obviously the request is for 500,000. Uh, anybody willing to go out there and, and uh, put a number on the chart and say, or we could have more discussion and we have comments on how they might want to fund that. Go ahead Ron or Shannon, either one. Mr. Chairman, Ron Gacious, Chamber Representative, I'm comfortable with leaving a relatively large amount, larger than we have in the past, unencumbered following the outcome of our decisions today. Now, I don't know if it should be the full 800,000. Uh, I, I will support um, uh, funding of the stabilization collaborative at the same level we funded last year. Um, you know, you could probably get my vote for a modest increase if we wanted to take it to 175 or even to $200,000. Uh, but I think making a commitment of uh, $500,000 of what we know is going to be a, a fund that only generates about one and a quarter million dollars a year to put that much into the foundational budget of uh, one social service agency, I think would just be a mistake. So I, we know we've got a couple of larger projects coming next year, we think. Um, now I think, I think the project that was gonna be out west uh, near K-10 um, is still plodding along. Uh, if you recall, there was an opportunity to increase the size of that project, which was one of the considerations, I think, that caused it to be withdrawn at the time. Uh, that could easily consume several hundred thousand dollars of funding uh, based on our prior decision making. So I, I'm, not un, I'm not uncomfortable leaving you know, several hundred thousand dollars unencumbered. If somebody wanted to come to us in March of next year and say, I've got something that could be launched next year if we only had some time, we could decide then if we wanted to do anything outside of the normal funding cycle. Maybe the SOB conversation results in a request coming sometime in the spring. I don't know, but there's nothing about, there's nothing about our rules that would preclude us from considering that. I think Shannon, I think you had originally. <laughs> Shannon Reed, County Commission. So um, I think that that number is way too low, quite frankly. Um, I think that they have added new programs and information to the proposal. So it's not the same proposal as far as I can tell. Um, and to the points that Nicholas Ward just made in his public comment um, that the variety of, of services and investments um, in people's stability as well as properties for landlords, um, that, that those are things that we need if we're gonna have a truly people-centered and holistic housing approach to maintain affordability and access to affordability 
across all socioeconomic classes, including folks that have as low barrier voucher process and access as possible um, because of the multitude of barriers that exist. And I think that we are, I think perhaps it's not being appreciated what, how significant the housing crisis is that we are in currently and that more brick and mortar places cannot come fast enough to resolve the potential to resolve for the potential number of folks in our community that are going to be experienced, find themselves in situations of homelessness or even more escalated housing instability than already exists for them. So I think that um, there's a lot of creativity in their proposal and that the kind of relationship building with landlords and property owners and will build long-term investments, one, for helping mitigate and also potentially repair and upgrade um, things and properties that remain affordable and accessible for families who utilize those vouchers and rely on them as a path, as an important step in their pathway to potential home ownership in the future um, or moving into newly built housing that might come on down the line. Um, but we have the funds and it addresses a multitude of issues in our community, I think. And a half a million dollars now does not necessarily mean that that's what will be requested next year um, or that there won't be a new project or new pilot. Um, so I don't think it's fair to assume that it just becomes a baseline um, operational budget, that there's some tangible results that can be seen. Um, so. I Personally, I mean, I scored it. I scored everything except for Solve as fully funded. They asked for it. We have the money. I think they're all valuable projects. Um, and that the Solve one is the one that needs more workshopping. Um, so I support fully funding it. I don't know that based on the conversation so far, there's enough support for that. But to go well below 50% of the request... I don't, I don't agree with. Uh, go ahead, Ron. Ron Gacious, Chamber Representative. Um, Shannon, we don't need to be schooled on how bad the housing situation is. I think Ahab's been on the leading edge the four years I've been around at advocating for addressing housing issues. And that extends to homelessness as well. There's not a person on here that hasn't been fully dedicated to addressing those issues. But I don't think this is a social services fund. And until the Housing Trust Fund kicks in $500,000, I wanna know what's the county spending for this program? If you think it's so damn good, are you stepping up? Why can't you come up with the $500,000? Where's the city? I asked one of the city commissioners last week where they were at on this. They said they hadn't made any decisions yet. They were still discussing the the needs and opportunities with a collaborative. Why on earth are we putting our money in first? Do these programs need support? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. I'm only disagreeing with you about the source of the funds. You say we can't build our way out of this problem and you're right. But if we don't try, we're just getting further and further and further behind. I know how big the gap is. I've seen the report. We're thousands of units short and we're squabbling about 
you know, trying to get a few units built. Um, I, I think we're spending our money the wrong way. I don't think we've got the resources and the trust fund to adequately fund social services. And there needs to be a better, larger pool of dollars made available for that need. And Mr. Chairman, I make a specific recommendation that we fund the tenants to homeowners in the amount of $400,000. Lawrence Douglas County Housing Authority New Horizon Program um, in the amount of $50,000. Independence Inc. in the amount of $50,000. The Housing Stabilization Collaborative in the amount of $200,000. Lawrence Habitat for Humanity Critical Repair Systems, the Critical System Repair in the amount of $50,000 for a um, total of $750,000. Mr. Chair, this is Leah Roseland, Affordable Housing Administrator. I just wanted to follow up on um, Mr. Geisha's comment and clarify that both the city and the county have provided other sources of funding for the Housing Stabilization Collaborative. I don't have in front of me what those exact numbers are, but both the city and county have committed other funds. Yeah, uh, Leah, thank you for that. Uh, the city committed 100,000, Douglas County's committed 125 and an additional half million dollars has been requested from Douglas County it's on that project that's on the proposal here that I got in front of me. Uh, and then they're requesting another 265 from other grants uh, along with the half million from us. So I have a motion on the table that would require a second for it to move forward. Okay, going once, going twice. I'd second that motion. Thomas Howe, Lawrence Porter Realtors representative. Okay, Thomas Howe has seconded the motion. So we are, I have a motion and a second on the table. That's up for discussion. Um, I would say uh, just personally, I, I would vote against the motion because I don't think the funding is enough for uh, the Housing Stabilization Collaborative. I uh, could support a motion of less than full funding, but I don't feel like that the number of 200,000, in my opinion, is is quite uh, meets the criteria that I, I feel is appropriate, but certainly open to other comments. This is Sarah Waters. I agree with you, Monty. I would, I would, I don't know if I'm amending or I would say I would prefer that the housing stabilization gets to 300,000, which doubles their allocation from last year. Um, based on critical need, I did find Nicholas's, Nicholas Ward's comments to be very informative. Um, and we know that they're doing good work um, with that program. So 300, I would move it to 300,000. Uh, I'd support that. Okay. So I have a proposed amendment from Sarah to change the recommendation to 400. Uh, well, to change the recommendation for the Housing Stabilization Collaborative number to move to 300,000. I'm not quite sure on the procedure. Do we need a second for that? I second. 
Okay, so Edith Guppy seconds the uh, I, 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 I'm sorry, I'm not sure that you can um, make a second motion if we have one a motion and a second on the table. We're, uh, I'm I not think we need to we need to either complete that motion or uh, ask for a friendly amendment to Mr. Gacious's, uh motion or allow it to uh, not be voted for. Okay, so this is Sarah Waters. I'll make a friendly amendment to the motion that Ron put forward that we change the housing stabilization collaboratives allotment, move that up to $300,000. And the others stay the same, tenants and homeowners at 400,000, housing authority 50,000, Independence Inc 50,000, and Habitat at 50,000. So the total we'd be allocating with is $850,000. Okay, so friendly we have amendment done. Friendly amendment. Uh, do we have to vote on that friendly amendment then? Um, I well, I get to decide whether I think it's friendly or not. Sarah, let's go two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. That's not my amendment, so I, I don't know procedure here. So. Maybe we need to vote on the original then. I'll pull my but, friendly amendment. Let's vote on the original, which was already seconded. And then we probably are going to have to make another right. motion is what it sounds okay. like. Yeah. Very good. Okay. okay. So the friendly amendment is not accepted by the original motion. Uh, so we will vote on the current uh, proposal on hand, which is for $750,000 uh, total. Does everybody understand what we're voting on? Okay, I'm going to call the roll. Uh, Thomas Howe? Yes. Yes. Thomas Allen? No. Uh, Sarah Waters? No. Ron Gacious? Yes. Edith Guffey? No. Uh, Shannon Reed. No. Monty Soka. No. So that is one, two, three, four, five. No. Two. Yes. Motion fails. So we're back to a uh, clean slate here. Um, do we have someone? Sure. This is Sarah Waters. I'd like to make a motion um, for funding. Uh, I'd like to motion tenants to homeowners of 400,000, uh, Lawrence, Lawrence Douglas County Housing Authority, 50,000, Independence Inc, 50,000, the Housing Collaborative or Stabilization Collaborative at 300,000, uh, and Habitat at 50,000 for a total of 850,000. Okay, I have a motion on the floor. Do I have a second for that? I'll second it. Okay, we have a motion and a second. Any discussion on this motion? Seeing none, I will call the roll once again on this motion. So, uh, Thomas Howe. No. Thomas Allen. Yes. Shannon Reed. Shannon? Um. No, I think it should be more. 
Mr. Waters? Yes. Ron Gacious? No. Edith Guppy? Yes. Monty Sokup? Yes. That is one, two, three, four, four, three against. So motion passes four, three. So that is our recommendation for today. Um, I think that closes that agenda item. I don't have the agenda open anymore. Okay. Um, other business. Seeing none. Uh, looking at the calendar next year month, we have uh, Craig Owens coming to talk about the strategic plan in 2040. Uh, and then we have a February uh, retreat plan. Um, any comments on that? Uh, what date is that? That's the second Monday or whatever? It's February 14th. It's Valentine's Day. If you happen to observe that holiday. <laughs> I'll join you from Hawaii, probably. Okay. Uh, this is Sarah Waters. Can mm -hmm. I get a clarification? Do we have a time hold for that retreat? Is that the regular meeting or is it extended? This is Leah. Ahead, this is Leah Rosalind, an affordable housing administrator. Um, the February agenda item is to schedule the retreat, not that the retreat will be held in February. So the board will need to discuss the date and the time. Oh, good. <laughs> you know, may, uh, I'm wondering if we can maybe just think about putting that on the agenda for January so we can plan further and ahead if we're going to need a block of time. Uh, so maybe we can move that discuss scheduling of it up to January. Just thinking further out there. I agree. If we could do that sooner rather than later for calendar holds for spring, that would be very helpful. Okay. Wonderful. All right. In, any other comments? All right. Uh, I want to thank everybody for their work today. I know we had some tough discussions today and a, and a lot to cover. And this is a tough board to be on. It's about tough decisions to make. And not everybody's happy leaving today, I know. Uh, but um, thank you for your work. And with that, I will accept the motion to adjourn. So moved, Edith Guffey. Sarah Waters, second. Okay. Um, I'll take the vote here. Thomas Howe. Aye. Thomas Allen. Yes. Shannon Reed. Yes. Sarah Waters. Yes. Ron Gacious. Joining the majority, I vote aye. <laughs> <laughs> Edith Guffey. Yes. Monty Sokup, yes. The push passes 7-0. We are adjourned for today. Three minutes late. I apologize for that.